Hey guys, thanks for watching. Today, we're gonna to be talking about three critical things we've learned while leading house churches in America. I'm Andy Ziesmer. This is Diana Westfall over here. And across from me is Pierce Westfall. We are co-leaders of a, a missions sending organization called A Jesus Mission. We're a missionary sending organization when we send people to plant churches literally all around the world. Uh, I think we're serving in 18 countries right now. Uh, and so our heart is broken for people uh, who just need to know Jesus. But we've seen enormous just value in gathering as the church in small communities here in America. We live on the West Coast. We're West Coast people. I live up near Portland. We're down here in California. Um, today filming this in Modesto, California, where you guys have been leading home churches here. Um, and we're filming this conversation in particular because it's vital. I think it's vital for the health of the church for us to have these dialogues in a, in a way that we can interact. So the invitation is please, if you if you have a question or a comment or a thought, leave it below and we'll respond to every single one of them. Uh, I asked Pierce and Diana specifically to think about these, these things like in depth before we came down to film this because we've, we've been leading home churches <laughs> in different parts of the country and sending people to plant home churches. And we've been sending missionaries to plant churches around the world through some pretty critical moments in our in our nation's history, we're speaking a lot from the American perspective because we're American <laughs> and we lead churches in America. Um, but you guys have seen a lot and I want to open this up into more of a conversation today. We've seen literally the best parts of people by doing church like this. And we've, we've also seen some of the gnarliest parts of people by doing church like this. And so let's start out like this. Uh, Maybe, maybe together we can kind of define what it means when we say the American church. Because in, in this conversation throughout the internet and, <laughs> and the world, we often refer to the American church with kind of a, a, a presupposition to what it means. So what do, when right. we say that today, what are we defining? Yeah, everybody has a presupposition. So it's like a trigger, right? Yeah. You know, you say the American church and it's just like, what, what do you mean? Are you ins insulting me by yeah. that? You know, and... I, is that I, a bad thing? Is that yeah, a, yeah. When I think of the American church, you know, the, as the way I think we'll be talking about it today, we're talking about like the glitz and the glam church. We're talking mm -hmm. about the church mm -hmm. that's performance-based and showmanship-based, um, which reflects a works-based church mm -hmm. at the end of the day. And so um, we really want to like talk about it in that confine. It doesn't mean because you have a building, it's the American church. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think a good distinction to make on that is um, not necessarily the institutional church as we mm. might find it across the whole globe, but specifically the American brand of yeah corporate. Church. Yeah, we see that style of church replicated throughout the world. We've mm -hmm. yeah. we've it, for context the reason we even feel like we can have this conversation in a healthy way is because we've seen the church function. I've traveled to 45 different countries and worked alongside local churches, big and small. Uh, you guys have traveled extensively uh, in our work with the Jesus Mission, but in prior to that, we were in touring bands that were working mm -hmm. with churches around the world. And so we have a perspective that we can bring to the table, um, but I think it's easy to suddenly become critical. And that's what happens in in so many people in this lane, we become kind of critical mm -hmm. of this. So how are we approaching this in a, in a way that like we, we hope to push the health of the church as a whole forward? Yeah. I mean, the first thing I would just say is that the house churches aren't seen as health of the church forward. Mm. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, largely right. how we're helping this is literally just saying like, this is, 
okay. And even like God instituted, like God has like made provisions and called out people to go and to do this, you mm. know, with the same exact authority that he's called people to go plant whatever other church or mm. whatever other ministries they're doing. And so we want to, as like an organization, you know, we realize there's a lack of just affirmation, mm. really simply put. And I get it. House churches can, they can go awry in many ways as well, you know, but someone has to also come along and start going, yeah, I see God's will over your yeah. life. I can affirm that God is moving in your life. And so I think the first way we're trying to help is just literally come alongside him. Go, yeah, we're all about this. I mean, yeah. we send missionaries overseas to go plant house churches. People do that all the time, and mm -hmm. it's totally normal. And then when it's on American soil, it's like frowned upon, you know? <laughs> and so, <laughs> Suddenly we're called weird names. Yeah. And... We're just trying to bring consistency to even yeah. that. That's so good, Pierce. I think as we tackle this today, I you, you guys kind of thought through, and we've kind of discussed this, like what are the three critical things that we've learned or that have been vital to us as we've been doing church in this way, um, I've worked in big churches. <laughs> I've worked in small churches. I've led a home church now for multiple years. Um, and so we've, we've seen and observed a few things. We want to get right to this list because uh, I think each one of these we could talk for hours upon. And, yeah. and the invitation to you if you're watching is leave comments again and thoughts. If you have more uh, you'd like us to discuss uh, or you want to be a part of this conversation, please message below. Um, number one, uh, we're just going to start with this list that we kind of put together here. Everyone wants community, but few are willing to be known. Talk about like how we see that. You have plenty of thoughts on this, Dan. I, I, <laughs> I can see I, you I, hesitating. I can, talk, I can talk right out of the gate, but I know this is something you're deeply passionate about. So, Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, you know, I think there's just this pretty basic principle um, that's a part of every person's created being, where each and every one of us deep down in our soul, we long to be known like we, we need that our souls are searching to know and be known. And I think that's where, you know, a lot of people, the way that they kind of come to understand that is, or express that is a desire for community, some sort, some sort of, uh, meaningful community where, um, we all need help and we want the help where we want it. Right. Um, but also we are so stubborn. Um, and I think a big part of our culture, um, not just within the church, I mean, at least the uh, Western culture, I can't speak too much for other cultures, um, but we don't really know how to be known. And, and it's terrifying. Um, like we want it when we want it, but then if someone sees more than we want them to see, um, or if that means particularly what we've seen so much um, in different house churches or, or home church gatherings, um, we've seen that discipleship reaches a point, community reaches a point of depth where like, oh, I see your soul and not just the parts that like, this is, this is pure and this is good and here I can help in this way, but oh, I see your iniquity. Mm. Are you ready to surrender that over to God and, and lay that down at his altar? And most of the time, like there's, there's a very <laughs> critical, it's like a repetitive word today, but it is, it's so, it's this crucial point in our relationship with God. We are so exposed mm -hmm. at that point where we see this sin that maybe we, maybe we actually love it. We don't have a distaste for it. Maybe we do have mm. a distaste for it, but it just has power over us. And, yeah. 
or maybe it's all that we've ever known and we're not actually ready to give it up because we're afraid of what our life will look like or what will be without this in our life anymore. And that is very much like first and foremost, I think of Hebrews four, like that's our moment between us and God where we're naked and exposed to the one who can see all things. And we're given that choice, right? Do we approach his his throne boldly in faith, believing that he will crucify our flesh and and take our heart of stone and like kill it off (laughs) for once and for all and then resurrect us in this redeemed form. Um, And a lot of people, I think when they, when they come to that choice, I guess, I guess here's the thing outside of community, when that's just between me and the Lord, I can get away with walking away from him and most people will never know. But if I'm exposed, especially before, if you're anonymous in a really big room. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Most of my life. Right. Like I could, but no, if I'm exposed before a whole group of people and they, they're now watching in on my moment between me and God, it's, I can't necessarily get away from the basically just, just everybody's going to know how mm-hmm. I respond. Yeah. Um, and if they're actually good brothers and sisters, they're going to push me to respond with repentance and they're going to push me to embrace God and, yeah. and leave that sin behind. Um, and I've seen a lot of people leave home churches at that point. Yeah. As soon as they're, they're seen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the the thing is most people come to the house church. We did because we, we wanted community. We wanted real transformative life giving community. Mm-hmm. You know, and because you is, both, uh, well, all of us have yeah, spent a lot of time in more like in traditional the, formulated yeah. American church totally. buildings. Yes. And, and it's just shallow, you know, you like you said, you can come in and leave and not have any relationship with anybody. You could do that for two years and still know maybe the greeter's name at the front, you know, like there's, there's really not a lot of genuine I think what Christ is calling to us, community found in some of these methods, you know? Um, and so when you come to the house church, I think people are, they're starving for that. I think every soul is craving that because that's what the church was meant to be. The church was supposed to be this transformative, life-giving, vulnerable, yeah. transparent, set-apart group of believers that were on mission, committed to discipleship, and committed to making God known amongst the lost. Yeah, And so... You know, everybody's excited for things, though, that I think distract them, you know, from from God and themselves. So, like, Mm -hmm. we can all get excited about, like, ministry or opportunities to go do something, whether you're working at some homeless shelter or whether you're doing a food, like, feeding program or something. But when it comes to, like, okay, but how are you and God, like, really? We're we're really good at, look at all the things that I'm doing for God, but don't. Don't look too close to see if I'm doing it with God. Yeah, absolutely. And so we've... Somebody tweet that real yeah. fast. <laughs> so we've placed this really high emphasis in our lives and in our house churches on we yeah. need to disciple. Mm-hmm. Like really, like earnestly disciple. And that doesn't mean just like teach people about Jesus. No, that that's important. But like yeah. are, how are people applying what they know about Jesus to yeah. their lives? Because you can know everything about Jesus and not live obedient to it. And mm-hmm. so... We're going, we, we need to be a people that aren't afraid to be known because in that there's actually a display of our belief of the gospel. And and the reality is like, if we believe that we've been freed from like sin and that Jesus has really rescued us, then to be known is like, it's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's actually very minor, but to feel this need to keep secrecy and to keep hiding, 
like it, it begs the question is there a freedom that yeah. should be found in the gospel um or there's a need for you to like save your image or like how it may come across to people if you're struggling in something or in legitimate bondage to sin yeah and in that like there's this aspect of trying to save ourselves you know that like really like understanding the gospel is understanding we were enemies of the cross mm-hmm. understanding the gospel is understanding that the wage of sin is death you know and so in that understand the gospel is understanding there is this surrender like luke 9 yeah. like he who wants to follow me you know must first deny himself pick up his cross and then follow me so this denial and this picking up of a cross the surrender that exists and in that there's an understanding of the gospel in its fullness and the house church i think you know we've just realized people come in and then they're now you're in this small setting now you're in this place where you're not going to be able to escape it you're going to be yeah. known at some point it's going to come out mm-hmm. and man few people want to be known for sure mm-hmm. it's cool the the house church that gathers at my home on tuesday nights this last week um there's a kid who is a part of one of the families that has, has been coming and the this family that started coming on our tuesday nights they they had no prior like relationship with Jesus. So they came in and, and I got to baptize them uh, shortly after the mm-hmm. church started. And so um, their kid has been like just sitting on the couch watching for the last two years, you know, sometimes just annoyed that he's there. But this last week um, and the week before that, he's been the one reading the whole scripture. So the whole room mm-hmm. is very patient with this like nine year old kid as he's oh. tackling big words and everybody like it's a really like that's probably been one of my favorite things in the last few weeks is watching this kid go from like on the sidelines to like, I can read it. And the whole yeah. room like is so patient and gracious as we sit around the kitchen table with yeah. all 12, 15, 20 of us or whatever. And this kid is reading it. And it's so cool to watch like his anonymity disappear as he's yeah. like, I want to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. At nine yeah. years old, he's realizing like mm-hmm. the church, I get to be a part of the church right now, even though like right. most of the time he's just kind of like, can I go home and play Yu-Gi-Oh? You know? like, so it sounds just like our daughter, honestly. <laughs> yeah, they, they would be very good friends. The anonymity that disappears when you're doing the church in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen this exemplified in bigger churches too. Like there's mm-hmm. some environments I've worked in and been a part of where I'm like, man, this is a healthy expression of the gospel. Yeah. But I think it's, it's so hard to be like, it's so hard to sit on the sidelines. Even that nine-year-old kid was drawn to be yeah. a part yeah. just because he's watching and he's like, I want I want in on that. Yeah. There's something that happens in that. And so that first point, everyone wants community, but, but few are willing to be known. Mm-hmm. Home church creates an opportunity for everyone to be known. How, mm-hmm. how have you guys in your home churches... Um, like invited the people on the sidelines to get involved because sometimes there's this tension where they're like observing, even if they're coming, like mm-hmm. my home church is pretty much all just my neighbors, literally like the houses we can see from our house. And yeah. so it's, it's as, I it's as that. local as it can possibly yeah, get. Totally. <laughs> um, but how, how are you inviting those people who, who sit on the sidelines to be a part or how do we do that in a, in a good way? Yeah, well, we don't have to even invite them because, like, God already does. So in, like, 1 Corinthians, Paul's writing to the Church of Corinth, and he literally talks about functioning members of the church. And he literally says, even the least of these Mm -hmm. are indispensable to the kingdom of God. Yeah. That is reflected in the way we, like, even conduct our services, for lack of a better phrase, in a traditional church, Mm -hmm. American church or whatever, or it's reflected in the way we conduct our times of gathering, you know, that may be more loose and open-ended in the house church, but how we treat that 
um, it, you know, it's, it's the invitations there, right? Mm -hmm. So we're either going to walk in alignment with the invitation that the spirit of God has laid out in his word for all of the church, or we're going to walk in misalignment yeah. with that. And so it, the invitations there, we're just going, we, we just teach that to people. We yeah. just go, look, this is what God says. And so even if you're coming and you're a nine year old kid sitting, you're going, Hey, it doesn't matter. Even the least of these yeah. are indispensable. And so the yeah. question, you know, we ask ourselves continually in the house church, just with the leaders here, um, are going like, okay, are we treating people like they're indispensable? Mm -hmm. That's the accountability question for us then, you know, and in the traditional church, I think that's the thing that's, that's like good. largely missed out. Right. Because the truth is when like 10% of the church, 20% of the church max is operating the way the church actually goes mm -hmm. they're they're the essential ones. They're the ones that are indispensable. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. the church can go on without the last 80 to 90 percent. Mm -hmm. And so there's there's a huge accountability. Like when we operate, even in a traditional way, in the American church or in the house church, the church our, service can go on. Without yeah, church that service can go on. Yeah. Which which you know, for a lot of churches, that is the end all be all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and yep. so I think the accountability that any church should be asking, but it's it just becomes impossible to get away from in the house church. It's like it's like guardrails, you yeah. know, for us is that like, it's very obvious, you know? And it's it's very much, you need those people. If you got 15 people in a home, you I mean, you literally can't disciple the people there, make food every week, yeah. you know, do worship, teach. You can't do everything. I mean, you could, but it would be obviously yeah. like unhealthy when there's so much for people to offer, whether it's just literally reading the word yeah. like that kid. I think there's such joy that comes too when people feel like, if you are a part of a larger church where, there's a staff like hospital visits mm -hmm. fall to the role of the, the staff of the church. It's an expectation yeah. that, yeah. oh, that's what they do. Yeah. Whereas in in like my Tuesday night thing, there's yeah. there was a, an elderly man who fell once and literally the whole of the church responded to go like, Help be a part of. <laughs> I remember that. Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Literally, I think the entire church I, showed up to pick him up and help bring him inside. Like, I want to ask you something. Yeah, because now you know, like you're talking about that situation, and I think. It, the more I think of your church, I think there's something really unique that people yeah. need to think about. Um, you have people that like were literally just getting saved on your street. People mm -hmm. that are smoking weed and they just gave their life to Jesus. And so they show up with their blunts yeah. because they don't even understand, you know, yeah. like the, yeah. the gravity of like what they're, cho who they've chosen to yeah. follow and live their, their life for. They're learning like the most elementary yeah. of things. Mm -hmm. And our house church and the ones we've been involved in is very much people raised up in the church. Mm. So, and, and some church staffers too. And some church yeah. staffers. So we're dealing with this very different group of believers. Yeah. So but I would say, and I, I'm guessing you would agree with this too, but I'd love to hear you like dialogue on it. I feel like coming from our end of things, that's really where the challenge to be known is because mm. there's all these presuppositions or, you know, all these like things that have been put on people by church culture or their upbringing yeah. or fear of man, you know, where like you have people that like, they don't care, man. They are who they are. They're smoking weed outside the front yard. You shared the gospel with them. So they show up to the church the next week and yeah. now they're smoking weed there <laughs> and you're not like condoning it, you know, but you're, you're going, this is, they are known yeah. from day one, you yeah. know? And so speak to that. I think what's been cool and, and we've been doing that particular, the one where we live right now, we've been doing this for like over two years right now, I think. And what has been cool is from the start, the invitation was to be involved. So it, it's like, I think it comes down to a discipleship model. Mm. Like we're not, we're intentionally saying 
this is all of us. Like yeah. we're just being the church together. This isn't like you come and learn something and then yeah. there's a, uh, you know, there's You're a not person a priest who does. For yeah. Them. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some of them have called me their pastor, but I never once said that word. Yeah. Like, but it's like, which I think is a healthier, Oh yeah. Like shepherding way going, Oh, this, this person is investing into me. They've, they've, they're spending their money and their time to invest mm-hmm. into me and they, they feel that. And so that, that relationship yeah, becomes yeah. established, dare I say, supernaturally, as opposed to me right. saying, this is my task. Yeah. I'm here to do it. And it's been so fun. So fun to see and, and challenging at times to see like conviction happen and then go, what is that? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Whereas like if, if coming in your context, everybody who might show up on your Tuesday night or whatever might already know what the word conviction means. Yeah. We're starting from this ground zero of like, oh, conviction. That's the Holy Spirit yeah. doing his job in us. That mm-hmm. means you, you can celebrate conviction instead of feel shame. Like yeah. that's like the enemy wants you to feel shame and cover up that. Whereas the invitation right now is like, we're, we're getting to disciple through every step of the process. And that's been really unique. I think that's, it's, I love that you're uh, a home church gathering is like a, it's a really good kind of contrast in <laughs> yeah, terms they're literally of as, polar as, opposites. Yeah. as like leaders in a sense, you know, there's so much where we have to just go to the Lord and be like, okay, how do we do this? Um, and I'd ask you, how do you do this in your home church? And I'm like, well, that won't even apply in mine. <laughs> no, yeah. no, it's, it's so true though. And I think this is, I guess I love that we're talking about this, um, because it's so obviously like (laughs) you cannot just one size fits all. Yeah. I think, so I completely agree with everything that you guys are saying. And I think, um, (laughs) but no, 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 just (laughs) only that I typically like in a very, very practical sense. Um, and maybe this can be more generally applied. Um, it helps me to think of, you know, how, how do we get more people involved? Um, because for Mm -hmm. you, it's pretty easy. They're, they're fresh. Everything that they're learning is new. You really just have to present the word and it's like, and yeah, and an invitation, they can take it because like, Oh, that's how it's supposed to be. Great. You know, for us, most often we have people who are raised in the church, um, or it like, and, or are on staff somewhere nearby. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we have to present opportunities of value and contribution that most people don't, they've never seen as an option before, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's essentially, we are reteaching them in ways like that will empower them to be the body that, that you can just say like, Hey guys, this is, this is your invitation. Yeah. And, um, so it's a bit more foreign to Mm -hmm. most of, of the people that are in our area, um, and, and just end up coming to our, our home church. Um, but it's really this process of like empowering people, presenting mm-hmm. the concept even of, Hey, like we want to empower you. Mm-hmm. And, um, that, that brings me to, I think it helps for me very practically to just sort of, um, ask the Lord and seek out where and how can we disperse power mm-hmm. that, um, that I think is, it helps me as sort of a guiding principle. So it's less about, um, specific contributions or specific roles, but it's very much looking around the room where it's like the whole point of all of us being indwelt by the Holy spirit is that we have all been empowered by God. There is no one person is meant to have this greater power or even a few are meant to have a greater power. 
Um, it is literally the same spirit working in all of us. And yeah. I think that helps me in terms of, I, cause otherwise, I don't know, I can fall into, I think traps. Like people will ask, well, what do you guys do for this for leadership or who can do this and who can do that? And how do you, and most of the time I'm like, I don't really, I know there are people that have really strong opinions on this stuff. Um, and the word authority can be like a trigger mm -hmm. word in a lot of circles. And so it helps me, I think, in a more pure way to, to when I'm asking God, like, okay, what do we do? Um, or how do we do this in a way that honors your heart? Just to kind of ask like, okay, how can we best disperse power mm -hmm. while we gather so that it reflects the empowerment that your spirit has brought yeah. to this gathering? Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah, I think that's I think it kind of cool. great. affirms this, this like people want want that kind of community but they're afraid to be known Absolutely. or if you want to be known that's like kind of coming all the way back to yeah. the very first point of this conversation mm -hmm. and i think in a large church gathering or in a home church gathering it comes down to those who are shepherding to be very invitational yeah. like get off the yeah. bench be a part of yeah. this be like be known the invitation is to be known like that puts you in a position of vulnerability and like when sin shows its head like oh shoot i'm known yeah <laughs> like, yeah but that that's like that empowerment you're speaking to i think that's something we as the church have to invite the rest of the church into especially those who are maybe younger in their faith or mm -hmm. or growing in their spiritual maturity we're we're going no a, a spiritually mature person is vulnerable does confess sin mm -hmm. is a part of this and so maybe that's part of our invitation we need to be extending as home church leaders yeah i think yeah, absolutely. I, and I think a lot of that is also the standards and the acceptance that we're willing to display over mm. people because we have a lot of like standards that we've set in the church, the American church, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that aren't right. And I think of a scenario um, where you had told me a long time ago, you were sharing something about Jesus from, you know, the gospels. And I remember you were in, you're saying you were in your house church setting. You called me like that night cause you're so excited because yeah. one of the guys just literally said, bro. And he like blurted out and he's like, that's effing awesome. Yeah. You know, except yeah. he just said the word, you know, I even have to censor myself cause of my <laughs> church upbringing, you know? And like yeah. the, the thing is, you know, like yeah. it, in that there, everybody's just like, yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, the everybody gospel was effing awesome. And it's just like, you know, that's a more genuine, authentic response yeah. 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 than probably yeah. most people sitting in a church on any given yeah. Sunday are ever really giving yeah. to the power of the gospel. Yeah. And so I think though with that, there's an acceptance that that yeah. man could come as he is yeah. and you were, you, you could look past the religion that says yeah. like, Whoa, that's, that's a bad, that's a doo-doo word. You know, yeah. don't say that, you know, and you could go, man, look at the power of the gospel yeah. igniting in his life right yeah. now. And so I think just kind of like the standards and the presets we bring mm -hmm. to church, you know, as we go about it, they really matter. Yeah. Because if you come with like, hey, we don't use cuss words here. Yeah. You know, and I get that to like respect people and stuff also. But like God is doing something yeah. radical in this man's the life. The response was that was the only thing he knew how to yep. express. Absolutely. Yeah, and there's I, so, I mean, it's pure. Yeah, it was a pure Anything expression. Like th that would have been minimized of that if he would have like dumbed it down. Anything that was dumbed down in that sense would have been it would have had the purity that he had when he expressed it in yeah. that way. And so, you know, I just think there's a power in that. And I think that invitation, you know, comes down to other things too. Like in our house church, you know, anybody, if, if the Lord placed on their heart to sing a song, like Paul says, like each of you come with a hymn. 
He literally says yeah. that to the church of Corinth as well. You know, each of you come with a song or a word of prophecy. And if the Lord would have put that on someone's heart, you know, at our house church, we have it all the time where someone's like, I'm going to sing it. And is it sound beautiful? No, not everybody's Carrie Job or whatever. You know, like the yeah. reality is some of it, like our voices are a joyful noise, mm-hmm. you know, but that invitation and like, what are we setting a standard even in like a house church where it's just like, well, you know, only Tyler can sing because he has a great voice or only, yeah. you know, whoever. But or are we saying like, man, let's just like look at the word and let God define these words for us going forward rather yeah. than letting our culture or our history or the reformed church or the historical Western church, you know, letting any of that really define what yeah. it is. We have to take back language and really like root it back in the word and go, well, how do you define it, God? That's so good. I don't know. This is necessarily on topic to knowing and being known anymore, but it's a great point. And I I think there is this um, massive question where can we take the Bible at face value? Like, Mm -hmm. do we have the faith to do that? Do we have the faith to say that like God has given us his ways that are pure and so good? And do I believe him that this will be the best expression or do I feel like really Mm -hmm. I need to mold that into what I understand from the world's understanding and, and change the expression of this. Um, I guess that's so much, I think of, of the journey and the opportunity that we get in, um, smaller environments where that one particularly is, I don't know how you implement that at like a larger corporate level of, of having, Oh, I I don't have an answer for that. But the thing is, I think, if God lays the definitions for us and we take what he says literally, you know, in his word for like bringing a hymn or whatever, any of these functions, I don't know how it transpires in a setting, but I think it is essential to being known. You yeah. know, I, I think like that's part it's, of the problem. Yeah, it's a is, very vulnerable thing. Like I am not a good singer. Oh, so if I bring a song, I have to right. be okay well, with not And you being have a to approach singer. that knowing, you know, I might not be able to sing on key or whatever and know that like, God told put this on my heart, so I respond obediently, obediently to it, and I and I yeah. sing it, and I do it, and I go, and the church sings a joyful noise together. Or you give into the pressures of man and go, well, yeah. the church has said that this isn't okay, and it really is that simple. Yeah. I think yeah. that's a perfect segue into the second mm-hmm. thing that we'd written down. The the second critical thing we've learned oh, is yeah. that mm-hmm. most problems in the corporate church can and often are replicated yeah. in the home. Yeah. No, totally. Because even using that point, Mm -hmm. it's like the reality is you could come and go, well, the church has already defined this for me. So I'm going to sit idly by. I'm not going to bring my gifts to the altar. And all Um, of a sudden we're doing exactly that thing that we're feeling this tension of. Maybe we should even define that. I just use language. I'm thinking about it right now. I'm not going to bring my gifts to the altar. How does gifts mean like... If you said that in my home church, people would be so lost. Yeah. You know, and so even gifts to the altar, right? We think of a gift and it's like, well, you must be skilled. Yeah. Or is a gift something that's given by God? Does he place a song on your heart and therefore it is a gift because he has put it on your heart to display to the church, right? It may not or sound it, like a gift. It may not sound like a gift, you know, but, but it will be, and yeah. it will edify the church by the spirit of yeah. God. Or is it really a gift just because there's performance-based metrics? And it's like, well, yep, you're like 98% of the time on key. Therefore, like you pass the litmus test to be on our C team. You know what I mean? Like that that stuff matters. And it definitely gets just so convoluted in our like American church culture. Again, I can't apply this to the institutional church globally, but for sure, like the Western Americanized version of church where like, 
I have, because we've traveled and because, you know, you were in a worship band and we're traveling in that context, like I've been able to be at so many of the worship team meetings at so many different churches throughout the country and, um, and like American started churches overseas Mm -hmm. as well. And it's crazy because a lot of these scriptures will be read and it's almost like this acknowledgement of like, wow, like, isn't God so good? Look at that. Okay. But, and so like, let's acknowledge that God is so good. And now let's like totally just twist it for like, this is how we want to do it though. Mm. And, but we're going to doctor it up and we're going to pretend that this is what God is saying. Cause we read what God is saying, but we're just going to pretend this is what he means by it. Just that like, no, no face value at all. Like, yeah. no, only like we'll have worship team tryouts and we'll, you know, yeah. and it's, I don't know. Yeah. It's, we, we do that, but I guess maybe my point here to stay on topic is that that same heart, like we're people everywhere that we go. So that same heart that exists in that culture can be brought into yeah. and, and permeate and thrive in a house as well. Yeah, no, it, it really can. And I think just to emphasize the point clearly, you know, that most problems we have in the corporate church, it can be replicated in the home. I think the reality is like there's a real identity that you have to have coming into the house church, because if your identity is distorted in the corporate church, then your identity is going to be distorted in the home. Nothing changes. If you're bitter here, you're probably going to find something totally Mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. So setting does not alter heart condition. Right. And so the reality is just you, you have to realize, you know, and this is why I think there's it's so important we as leaders in the house church present the invitation mm-hmm. yeah and, and we take language back from culture and we get place it back in the authority of god and the word and let that define it because the thing is someone can come to a home and not realize they're a part of the royal priesthood mm-hmm. yeah. therefore they can come and they can sit and they can leave and they try they can try to not you know serve at all you can mm-hmm. still do it and you can sneak in you can sneak out it's a lot harder you know people might notice go mm-hmm. wow they really don't participate you get seen and known a lot faster <laughs> yeah absolutely um but but the same things exist even when you talk about i think sometimes the house church has a bad reputation because there there are it can become just a, a bitter squad and it's yeah. now just this thing of it's this clump of bitterness because we're all hurt and so you know, this is a place we can confide in and be bitter together. It's like and a support group for your bitterness. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, we're not trying to go to an AA meeting for like recovering for church hurts. And like, yeah. that's fine. We're trying to go to a meeting to be the church, to be an authentic community and to receive and live out the gospel in its fullness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and so I think those things now you can find support there. Mm-hmm. You can find that like healing you can confide in people and heal from that bitterness, you know, and even talk about it. But there's a fine line between healing and talking about it. And it's slowly just becoming this giant gossip and slander pit. Well, yeah. it's really just you know? what's the focal point is the focal point. Yeah. You know, your painful experiences. And that's really what I'm going to zero in on. And I just I want to feel better about my painful experiences. So affirm right. all that and affirm me or is the focal point Jesus? Yeah, because you'll I we've definitely seen house churches that really just spiritually get stuck. They're they're dead in their tracks. They're just stuck. They don't go anywhere because they become that like support group for bitterness. The focal point is not Jesus at all anymore. It's he's not the center of the conversation. There's not that push to to move forward. There's not that it it's a very different uh, flavor of what's going on that we see expressed in those gatherings. Yeah. I see it too sometimes in 
in smaller church gatherings. We send missionaries, so yeah. they're planting churches in other countries, and their their goal is to see the church thrive and flourish. I think of like mm-hmm. there's this one city we're serving in where we we know of less than two or three hundred believers in a yeah. city of four hundred thousand yep. that are gathering on Sunday. So it's it's vital that the church gather somewhere mm-hmm. <laughs> and be pushing each other forward. And that happens in church buildings. Um, it also happens in homes in that in that community, but. Um, it's so easy for us in our home church world to quickly start aiming for the thing that we almost despise or not despise, but like the thing that brought us to this can, can suddenly start growing. Like, well, now we have to do like, we start setting metrics, right? Yeah. Even the metric of like, and these metrics don't always work because the metric of like, Oh, when we get to 20 people, we split in half. Like in my neighborhood, yeah. We're 20, 30 people sometimes and there's everybody's a new believer. Like if we split in half, it would be really easy for us not to like we need that unity in size yeah. for a while. And so but if we apply this like, well, we plant home churches once they hit this, we break it in half. We like we never get over this like it's or we start going, oh, now we just need to find who's got the bigger living room. Like we start expanding our boundaries and our walls and building a little tiny empire just as quickly as bigger churches do because we're trying to meet the need that we perceive within our Mm -hmm. community, right? And we're going, oh, but if we only had this, if we only had a bigger carport to gather under, like maybe we should just build a carport. Oh, well, why don't we just build a pole barn? Well, why don't we just put a steeple on that? Like, it's really easy for us if we're blinded to Jesus being the central point to start setting those metrics as well. Yeah, it's like one protection with that is just asking yourself a simple question. If you don't want to see like the corporate church replicated in your home and those same issues, then just ask yourself, what's shaping you? Mm -hmm. Because like if Jesus is shaping you and he's partially using the way you've been hurt by the church and some of those challenges, and he's using that to bring revelation to what the church should be and to fight for the purity of the bride, then praise God. Mm -hmm. But if if, if you're saying your hurts are shaping you, yeah. And you're trying to sprinkle Jesus in that to justify, you know, the way you go about things. Well, that's not that's not going to do it. You yeah. know, you're not gonna, you're not going to meet the goal. Yeah. You know, you're never going to find that freedom even that you're really looking for, anyways. You know, so really, Jesus being front and center is absolutely critical. Otherwise, like it doesn't matter where you meet. You can meet in a pub. You can meet in a house. You yeah. can meet in a church. You can meet in a cathedral. It, it will all like fall short. Yeah, I'm. I'm just gonna throw this one out there too. Um, I like how you're already smiling. Uh, I, I'm i just going to say, I think we do not know how to listen to and yield to the spirit. And I think that that really is seen in the metrics that we create and that scene in um, what happens to us on a local and, and broader level over time. Um, you know, I, I think... When we're young in our faith, we ask God for signs because we have not yet learned how to discern the voice of God, Mm. right? And I think we just, and we see it like in the stories of these people in the Bible that the more intimate our relationship with God becomes, the more easily we can hear not just the shouts and the cries of God or his clear divine intervention, Um, because we've been stubborn fools, right? But no, we can start to hear his whispers, that still, small, quiet voice. Um, And I don't think we're very good at that, if I'm being honest. Like, I've met a heck of a lot of 
of Christian people. I have not met very many people that can hear that have a track record, right? Like a, a clear track record, um, where I would believe them to be reliable, that they can hear from the spirit and yield to the spirit. And like, don't I, I think it is so important for us to have a zeal, um, that matches God's heart and, and his desire for people to come to salvation and to come into deeper relationship with him and for the kingdom to grow here on earth. Like I think, you know, make no mistake. We should have visions of that. We should feel excited about that and be motivated by that at the same time. I think what I've seen happen a lot is we sort of let that get turned into more so these ideas of grandeur, or we just think that that's that vision. That's what it must be if this is going well. And somewhere along the way, we grab hold of that idea and we stop listening to how the spirit is actually moving where the real life meets us right yeah. now. And we're not willing to yield to the spirit in that or, or just very mm -hmm. simply, we literally don't even know how to hear that in the first place. And I don't know. I just think we see that a lot. Yeah. To be honest, I think that just literally goes right into the third one. Yeah. You know, I because oh, cool. I think that at the end of the day, you know, like I'll give an example and then you know, I'll say the third point that we were thinking on. Um, you know, like Chan, everybody that's in the house patrol loves Chan. I, I love Chan and all that he's like done for even just bringing some validity to the house church space. And, you know, you think of what he's doing through We Are Church and stuff, and you go, wow, they have 40 churches in San Francisco, probably way more now and stuff. And, and you can get in this mindset of what you said earlier, right? Where you're like, well, when we get to 20 people, we multiply, you know? And I do think multiplication is like important and having a heart for mm -hmm. it because you are tendency as Christians is to be stagnant and do the least amount we can to have the most time for self, at least in America. But yeah. the reality is like, you know, you think of what chance doing you can see just tap in that mindset and go, okay, well, how do we do that? How do we multiply? How do we set our hearts on that? Um, but arguably one of the most important things I've learned in doing the house church is that it's okay for ministries to die. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's okay for ministries to die. And that means sometimes house churches like fading and that's because real churches don't die, right? They disperse. Yeah. And so when you understand that, like it, it becomes transformational. And so mm -hmm. for us, we've seen seasons where, you know, in a Jesus mission, there was a time where we we're approaching 20 house churches in a Jesus mission. We're ec ecstatic. And then yeah. there are times where there's eight. Yeah. And you're like, oh, are we doing something wrong? And you can put all this pressure on yourself. And the reality is like, I think there's a lot of churches today that are celebrating 150 year anniversaries that should have probably shut down, you know, after two, you know, like the reality is like, there's just a lot of, you know, churches that like we're celebrating being alive. It's just like, but are you yeah. one, are you alive? You know? And then two, like, is that really what God wants? Mm -hmm. Because the church isn't about like celebrating a steeple that continues. He's not about celebrating this home to continue, like continue. Yeah. He's about celebrating his will being done and him being glorified in the process. Yeah. And so when you think of just like people that have come together and I, I can think of some of the churches and sometimes, man, it was tragedy and it was hard to see how some fell apart. Mm -hmm. But other times you're going like, no, I mean, God just called this that person to be season. a, yeah, this person became a missionary over here in this country. This person went to this country. This person moved to the East coast. This person moved to the Midwest and you know, they're all faithfully following the Lord. They're doing great. Yeah. Other ministries, like really what happened was four or five ministries got started out of that 
and they don't have our brand on it. And that's great. Yeah. It's beautiful because they represent Christ and what they're doing. And so they've not just dispersed, but they've actually have multiplied. Yeah. But because we're not celebrating AJAM's anniversary of the church in Utah happening or something, yeah. you know, you yeah. can be like, well, this is real bummer. But also if you take like the Larsons, for example, well, they're going to be church planting in Romania. Yeah. Is that like a, why, why be bummed? Yeah. yeah, you know, there was like a handful of church home churches that were are part of a Jesus mission that ended as soon as the war in Ukraine started. Yeah, because the whole church responded. Yeah, some of them went over here and were like, "I can give more if I work more." So we're going to go over here, and this part of the church was like, "I'm going to go be in Ukraine serving," and like, yeah, that yeah. was a dispersion of totally. the church. And now those churches aren't functioning; they're not gathering right. on their Sundays or their Tuesdays or whatever days they gather because they just went out to be the church in a different way. Yeah, and if those churches continued, then a couple million pounds of food might not have been delivered yeah. to people within five miles of Russian occupation in yeah. Ukraine that are starving. Yeah. And, you know, so like, those yeah, it's home not churches simple. were a really preparatory season Absolutely. for the Lord to work in people's lives for the next season. Yeah. And so I think that's a critical thing we've learned yeah. for sure, is it's okay when your home church ends. Yep. And yeah, it could be six months. Yeah. I mean, really, it doesn't need to be long at all, but I think there's the beauty in that because, yeah. like, we just feel like if ministries don't continue, then it's a failure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we I, really have to take that back and, again, let God speak to it. How many home church leaders have we talked to that are living under the shame of that failure going, oh, my, countless. I started a home church and it went for a year and then everybody just kind of. That's funny because they. Now, did I fail? Yeah. Am I a terrible right. home church leader? Right. They leave the the traditional church, the American church to find a freedom in the house church, but yet they live in slavery to the, you know, metrics still that came mm-hmm. from that place. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I, I want to probably clarify a couple terms real fast. Um, so the church, we can say confidently that the church doesn't die because the church is always like that. Yeah. Ecclesia, it's people. Um, yep. Right. So that will continue to live on when um, a gathering of the church dies. Um, yes. And I one of my favorite things to do with God is to let him redefine words. Um, and one of those words is has been um, ministry where when mm. I we have this and this is globally. So like I've come to see like even just being able to do interviews across uh, culturally like, huh we have kind of um, grabbed hold of that word ministry so that Mm -hmm. it has a very specific meaning to like different people groups. And um, it's really interesting to see how, how we've molded and shaped that word. But then when I go to the Bible, what I see ministry as is essentially it's you have a people group and as is the case until the earth is remade, there will be needs within Mm -hmm. that people group. And because God is so good and amazing, he provides surplus to meet those needs. And what we see come out of that is a ministry. And so, yeah, and kind of sometimes have timestamps. Yes. And so in kind of clarifying those terms a little bit, I think, home church gatherings can be seen as ministries. They can have separate ministries or, or more ministries within, but the home church gathering itself, I think it's the gathering of, of believers. What that looks like is meant to change over time because people change over time because needs change over time because God moves in ways that are so far beyond our comprehension. Like this world is not static. Praise him. 
Um, there's so much beautiful promise that comes with that. And so in that, yeah. this idea that ministries can die, and I think there's a positive way that we can understand that and sort of a negative way that we can um, look at that, where I think ministries are meant to die the same way that mm. these bodies are meant to have an end and then be resurrected into something newer, better, whatever. Um, ministries should like healthy ministries should die because at some point those needs should be met. Those needs should change. Yeah. And that's, I think where you guys just talked about a lot of the positive that comes from when we right. allow things to die simply because God is moving in a different way. There are different needs now, like yeah. praise this has been met. And now this has, a uh, this has arisen. I, and while you were meeting this, you were being prepared for that. Great. This needs to die. Go keep the work going. There's yeah. more kingdom to establish. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but then also something I think that we don't think about nearly as much is that genuinely, I believe that God desires to put to death ministries that are unhealthy because they defame his name. And very often what we do because we're people um, that and this is not unique to the American culture. This is all over scripture in the stories of the people that, you know, we get to see. We like to centralize our own power. And what happens is I think we build these systems that um, we enjoy and we have an unequal dispersion of power. And usually if that if that has the opportunity to go unchecked um, in the wrong direction, we see power get abused. And we have seen that historically with humans everywhere and definitely within the church. Mm -hmm. Anyone who's learned any world history ever, you know, can point to and, and say like, oh, yeah, that was the wrong people had too much power and they used God's name in absolutely the worst ways to commit these atrocities. Um, I think there are plenty of ministries where there is an unequal dispersion of power that doesn't honor the spirit of God within each person and that goes unchecked. And I think God wants them to be put to death. And that I guess is kind of yeah. my understanding to tie in like, abs yeah, man, I've been at some anniversaries of some churches or ministries. And I'm just like, mm -mm. God wants this to be put to death. Like this is an injustice for this to continue in this way yeah. because there's some abuse of the power that you have going on here. And it, it's, God has some feelings about it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Healthy ministry, what I hear you saying is then anytime a spirit-filled group of believers comes with their surplus and they meet need, period. Yeah. And so the goal of any house church then should be spirit-filled group of believers that have surplus to come and meet need, in other words, discipleship. And at some point, if you're actually mm. doing that, that need is going to be met and those people are now going to have surplus. Mm -hmm. And so there's going to be a dispersion because they'll then take and become a spirit filled group of believers that have surplus and they will go and they will find yeah. and meet need. The only thing I would clarify yeah. to that is every one of us has areas of surplus and need. Absolutely. That, that it is, uh, it is a matter of equality so that, oh gosh, is that first Corinthians like 14, maybe 12? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so that there would not be any inequality. Second amongst Corinthians them. 8. I'm you're, pretty sure. You're yeah. probably spot. I should know that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're probably spot on with that. Um, but that's the only thing that I would clarify. I don't, I don't believe that God ever intends for there to be um, 
any one person in yeah, a group totally. that only has surplus and yet does not have need that he's designed to be met. Yeah, by absolutely. Else. No, just talking about that through the framework of discipleship, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. like Andy's leading a group that, you know, these are people that literally are so fresh. Well, the goal should be eventually that they're going to have something, you know, they'll disciple others. Yeah. 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 But that, that discipleship of others will ultimately also probably mean some people will leave his house church and that's not bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. I think the dispersion of the church, like particularly some of the stuff we've observed over the last year, the dispersion of the church is, is, can be attributed to the health of the church, mm-hmm. like the lack of clinging to things. One of the values I think that comes in gathering in the way we are right now is we have nothing to cling to that we must keep paying for. For yeah. example, a mortgage yeah. for our building yeah. to gather in or, and again, not that these things are bad because some of the greatest needs that we've seen met over the last year have come from those larger established churches yeah. going, we have surplus, yeah. take yeah. it and run. You have freedom because you've been gathering like this. You have freedom to get on a plane and go meet a need, take this surplus run and go use that. Yeah. So I think having like a healthy perspective on that is really important for us as the church, uh, knowing like, no, we're doing this in unity. Um, and the Lord has summoned some of us into a smaller micro culture where we can be more rapid response. Like there's, there's healthy expressions of the church and unhealthy expressions of the church and churches that should just close their doors and start something fresh or respond to the voice of God and move over here. I think that's why we live on mission the way we do. I want to keep talking, but I also feel like this would be the perfect spot to say, if you want to hear this conversation carried on, Pierce and Diana are launching a new show on February 8th called Naked Church. Um, You can subscribe to it. uh, uh, We'll put the link below, but it's youtube.com slash Pierce Westfall. I don't know why Diana's name isn't in there, but she... I like it that way. (laughs) She's okay with the anonymity. You need to be known, Diana. Remember the notes? (laughs) Um, So subscribe to that channel if you like this conversation because that weekly show is going to be a continuation of this. They have been really exploring this in healthy ways uh, and I've watched even your guys' perspectives over the last three years change and shift and morph as we walk out and are sanctified Mm -hmm. together and being the church. So thank you. If you've gotten to this point in this conversation, uh, you should subscribe because you're going to love everything else that comes (laughs) next. Um, February 8th, Naked Church comes out. Uh, This is... uh, a show put out by a Jesus mission or a conversation that we're putting out by a Jesus mission where the leaders of a Jesus mission, the plurality of leaders at this table is kind of what's helping push forward different works. And so if you have an interest in this home church world, message us. We would love to carry on the conversation to be the church together with you. So uh, thank you so much for taking the time to watch this. I'm Andy Ziesmer. This is Diana Westfall and Pierce Westfall. We'll see you soon.